Well, good morning and a very happy Easter to you. This has to be the most peculiar Easter that I can remember, at least. But the message is still the same. It's a message of great hope. Jesus lives. So I hope that wherever you are today, you'll have an opportunity with the church throughout the world to celebrate the great news of Easter. Our new parish, the parish of Castlechur and Gosainan, came into being during lockdown. You might say that it was a peculiar time to create a new parish, but as I'll say later in my sermon, you could arguably say that Jesus birthed the church in isolation. While the disciples locked themselves away for fear of what was going on outside and what might be coming to get them, Jesus met with those disciples. He gave them his peace and the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that changed everything. It changed fearful disciples into courageous proclaimers of the gospel. And without a shadow of a doubt, that's exactly why we're listening today. The new parish will bring together St. Catherine's in Gosainen, St. David's and St. Michael's in Lacha. We're going to be one church, meeting in three places, but working together to be famous for love. And I hope that as we look back on our shared inheritance of faith, we'll be able to look forward to, to discover a new boldness and a new courage to share that good gospel message that Jesus lives. So let's worship together.
freedom, the highway to the Father's heart. We believe you're our salvation. Hear us shout it out. We believe you are our freedom, the highway to the Father's heart. We believe you're our salvation. A reading from John chapter 20, verse 11 to 29. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realise that it was Jesus. And he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni! which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them all these things, said to her, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he'd said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. Now, Thomas also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord! But he said to them, Mm-mm. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and I put my own finger where the nails have been, and I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas with, the, with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Go on, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. 
Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. suffering saviour Jesus Christ stung upon the cross sinless man ruler of creation in his death we see mercy's cost as we trust in our suffering saviour our hope remains Christ has died Christ is risen Christ will come again Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. We rejoice in our living Savior, on the third day He rose from death. As the Spirit of Christ lives in us, we are raised in His righteousness. Give praise to our living Savior Lift high His name Christ has died Christ is risen Christ will come again Christ has died Christ is risen Christ will come again We have hope in our coming Savior in the day when in Christ will rise Made anew with the whole creation Sharing His everlasting life As we wait for our coming Savior We will proclaim Christ has died Christ is risen Christ will come again Christ has died Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. As I explained last week, the Jews were waiting for a new king, a human king from David's line who would bring an immediate liberation from the oppressive and cruel grasp of Roman rule. Many believed that Jesus was that new king, so for him to die a brutal death by crucifixion at the hands of the Romans was certainly not how they expected the story to end. After the crucifixion, John's Gospel doesn't hold back. It gives us a very real account of how the disciples are feeling. It's an account that's packed full of grief, anxiety and doubt. First we meet with Mary Magdalene and the Gospel tells us how she goes to the tomb early on the first day of the week while it's still dark. Now some people have suggested that she went there to embalm the body of Jesus but in my mind that doesn't really make sense because in Jewish custom the body would have been embalmed immediately after death, and Jesus has already been in the tomb for three days. 
So why was she there? In my mind, she's there because she's been taken there by her grief. Mary is believed to have been a prostitute, a woman of ill repute. So people would have looked down on her, they would have gossiped about her, and they almost certainly wouldn't have wanted to be associated with her. In that culture, she was seen as a second-class citizen, not just because of what she did for a living, but also because she was a woman. But Jesus had compassion on her. He accepted her and he showed her that she was valued and loved. He gave her a new purpose in life. He'd helped her to turn her life around, to find a new beginning, and now he was gone. It was her grief that took her to the tomb that day. She longed to be with Jesus just one more time. She was consumed by grief, and when she got to an empty tomb, she didn't even recognise Jesus when he stood before her. Believing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried Jesus away, tell me where you've put him, and I'll go to him. Her concern is to be near to Jesus for just one more time. Then everything changes when Jesus calls her by name. Mary. She turns and she cries out in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher. And the Gospel tells us that she holds on to Jesus so tightly that he has to ask her to let him go. Mary was the first to see the risen Jesus. Now in so many ways that really doesn't make sense. In those times, if you wanted a story to be believed, it would need to be witnessed by a man who was an upstanding pillar of the community. But the first to see Jesus, the risen Jesus, was no less than a fallen woman. Are you listening today and feeling like an outsider? Someone with far too many skeletons in the cupboard to be used by God? Too bad, or sad, or too far offside for God? If that's where you are today, then think again, because God has a plan and purpose for you too, just like Mary. A moment in the company of Jesus turns Mary's grief into joy. Now don't misunderstand me. Mary's grief was real. It would have consumed her. Over the last week, I've tragically had conversations with local people who are grieving because they've lost loved ones to the coronavirus. I've heard stories of people not being able to sit with their parents and to hold their hands as they draw their last breath. We're all in this together, irrespective of our faith. Mary was a disciple of Jesus, and yet her grief was real. It consumed her. The Bible doesn't promise people of Christian faith an easy life. We do and we will face trials. But when Mary met with Jesus, her grief became joy in an instant. Why? Because she now understood in a very real way that the hope and relationship she had in Jesus was stronger than death. As Christians, we grieve when we lose loved ones. But we're not without hope, because we know that death leads us into new life. So if you're grieving today, I hope that you know that Jesus is alongside you. And I pray that you'll know the joy that comes from the hope that we find in him, that death is only a temporary goodbye. Mary, the outsider, was the first to share the good news that Jesus had risen. She went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. At the moment, we're thinking lots about self-isolation. John goes on to tell us that Jesus meets with the disciples who'd locked themselves away in their own self-imposed isolation for fear of the Jewish leaders. 
they were anxious and afraid. They dared to follow Jesus, dared to associate themselves with him. Their promised king was now dead, an enemy of the state. So would they be next to the cross? The risen Jesus comes to a group of people who are locked in isolation out of fear for what's outside and of what might be coming to get them. He arrives and he says to the disciples, Peace be with you, and he gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you could say that the resurrected Jesus gives birth to the church in isolation. And these words are a game-changer. Here in John's Gospel, the disciples are consumed by anxiety and fear. But in Acts chapter 2, we see the same disciples standing up, boldly proclaiming that Jesus lived. And they did that to the same crowd who'd called for him to be crucified in Jerusalem. So what made the difference? What turned fear and flight into boldness and standing? It was, of course, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to give us a deep peace and power that's greater than what's going on around us. A peace and power that comes from knowing that God is intimately connected with us and always with us. The Holy Spirit also gives boldness and it removes our fear. That's why Paul says, You've not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power and of sound mind. It puts our fear into a greater perspective of God being in the driving seat in this world. The more we're possessed by the Holy Spirit, the less fear possesses us. And I want to encourage you, as Paul did, to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask, ask and ask again. That's why Jesus in Luke's Gospel, when he's talking about prayer, says this. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This week I've chatted to countless people who have not left their homes in several weeks. I know that this is a frightening time for many and that people are feeling isolated and lonely. But God is with you, you're not alone. Our God is very good at using small spaces. Think about it. He entered a womb, spent time in a tomb and he enters locked rooms. In each of these spaces he blows open the disciples' potential by bringing the gift of eternal life. This is the provision that we have in our God, and he is able for these times. I want to encourage you to limit the amount of time that you spend watching the news. Tune in to keep yourself informed, make wise and responsible decisions to protect yourselves and others. But don't let the news consume you. I find that when I'm continually focusing on the virus, fear bubbles up inside of me. But when I turn to the Bible, and I consciously meet with Jesus, that fear subsides and I find a real peace. So use this time to meet with Jesus, to pray and to delve into the Bible. Pray for more of the Holy Spirit in you, so that you might experience his peace for yourselves. In such a time as this, people are really searching for hope. And as Christians, we have the greatest hope ever. It's not always easy, I know, to share your faith with others, especially with those close to you. But whether you believe the Bible to be fact or fiction, you can't deny that those anxious disciples became courageous proclaimers of the fact that Jesus had conquered death. The authorities tried to silence them and threatened to kill them, and many did pay with their own lives. They were martyred. But they wouldn't be silenced because they knew that God had a good future for them that loved him. 
They knew that the very worst thing that could happen to them in this world was the very best thing. Paul puts it like this, I don't know what to do, whether to stay in the body, which means more fruitful labour as I serve you, or to depart and to be with Christ. I'm torn between the two. I'd rather stay because I want to be fruitful in my labour and to serve you, but I really long to be with Christ. The disciples knew that the worst thing that could happen to them was the very best. And we know for a fact that this change in attitude really happened, because if they hadn't been so bold and courageous, there wouldn't be a church today. Sadly, across the globe today, many people are still persecuted and even put to death for sharing their faith in Jesus. Fortunately, none of us are likely to be martyred. At best, we're likely just to face a little bit of embarrassment when we share our faith with others. So why not begin to pray that the spirit of fear that prevents you from sharing the hope that you've found in Jesus becomes a spirit of boldness and courage. These are challenging times and people are looking for hope. So don't be silent. Finally, John introduces us to Thomas. Thomas wasn't with the other disciples when Jesus appeared to them. So when he hears the news that Jesus has risen from the dead, he simply doesn't believe it. Poor old Thomas gets a bad press in Christian literature. He's called Doubting Thomas. But you know, I don't think that his doubt was cold-hearted disbelief. In fact, I think in John's Gospel, we see a completely different side to Thomas at another time when he says to the other disciples, Let's also go and die with Jesus. Thomas's doubt is a natural human response to the trauma of the crucifixion. We don't talk about weeping Mary or the terrified twelve, so why then should we talk about doubting Thomas? What Thomas does is place conditions on his faith. Unless I see the nails in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I won't believe. How does Jesus respond? Just as he met with Mary in her grief and with the disciples in their anxiety and fear, he comes to Thomas too. Once again, Jesus comes to the disciples in isolation and this time Thomas is with them. He gives them his peace and he says to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hand. Reach out your hand and put it in mine. Stop doubting and believe. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall as Thomas did that. And all his doubts disappeared into nothing as he physically touched Jesus' scarred and bloodied hand. This isn't the story of a king who is a glorified superhuman coming in strength and masquerading in glory. It's the story of a God who loves his followers, who comes near and has compassion on them, giving them exactly what they need in a time of trouble. For me, Thomas's response is the crescendo of the gospel. My Lord and my God! It's the response of every Christian down through the ages who have experienced the incredible love of God for themselves. They cry out to him and recognise him as their Lord and their God. So whatever you're doing today, I pray that you would know the presence of God with you. May he turn your grief into joy, your fear into hope, and your doubt into real faith. Amen. As I've said in previous weeks, we're incredibly lucky in St Catharines to have a team of people who lead us in prayer every single Sunday. And the coronavirus isn't going to stop us. 
Today, Rowena, our children, youth and families pastor, is going to pray for us. Thank you, Rowena. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are a creator, a sustainer and a father to us. Thank you for what you did at Easter. Thank you for your amazing plan to send Jesus down to rescue us so we could be forgiven and enter into relationship with you. Thank you that you are sovereign over all situation and circumstance. Lord, I wanna lift up the COVID-19 situation to you this morning. I pray for those who are, who are suffering at this time, who are affected in their health, for the families of the people around them. And I pray for people who might feel isolated or lonely because of the restrictions that are enforced upon us at the moment. I pray for healing for those who are sick and I pray for peace and comfort for those who are feeling unsettled or full of fear or lonely at this time. I also wanna pray for our queen and the people who are in leadership, not just in our country, but globally. I pray that you will give them wisdom to make wise decisions. I pray that you will just see over, over the decisions and you know everything that they're having to weigh up, all of, all of the elements that it can affect and all of the sectors that are influenced by the decisions that they make. But I pray that you will be close to them at this time, Lord. I also want to lift up those people who are struggling financially, whether they've been furloughed or they're struggling with unemployment at this time. I pray that you will just meet the need that people have, Lord. I pray that you will just provide in miraculous ways. I pray also for people who are bereaved at this moment, Lord, and due to the restrictions, unable to be around family or people that they're close to and loved ones. I pray that you'll bring them comfort at this time. Lord, I wanna lift up as well, all of our amazing NHS and all of the other key workers who are still going at this time. Thank you that every day they're willing to put their lives at risk for the greater good of our nation, Lord. I thank you that they're working so selflessly and so tirelessly to help those people who need it most. I pray that you'll give them strength, you'll give them rest, um, and you'll just protect the families and those closest to them who are also impacted at this moment. Finally, Lord, I wanna pray for our own friends and families. I wanna pray for the people that we live with at the moment, that we'll have patience with each other as we find ourselves in such a difficult and challenging time. Um, and I pray for ways to still be able to reach our family and friends that we don't live with and we're unable to see. I pray that you'll still be in our conversations. Um, we're able to minister to people, whether it's over the phone or over FaceTime. I thank you for all the technology that brings us all so close together, even when we're physically far apart. Lord, I pray that at this time, you will still help us to be salt and light, to be your hands and feet on this earth, whether it's practically through things that we're doing to help people with food banks or getting shopping and prescriptions for people or whether just through prayer for those around us, Lord. 
help us to still be able to shine your light at this time. Lord, I also want to pray for your church. I want to pray for St. Catherine's um, and for the wider church, Lord. Thank you that you've made it so that we're still able to meet together at this time, although we're physically not in the building. I thank you for Adrian and how hard he's working to make sure that every week we're still able to hear your word and we're able to pray and come before you as family. And I pray that on the other side of this, we'll come out even stronger than we were before and trusting in you and our faith will be just strengthened through this time, Lord Jesus. Finally, I just wanna pray for ourselves this Easter time. Um, pray that we will have time to pause and reflect and remember why Easter is such an amazing celebration. I thank you for what you did for us and I just pray that in response to that Lord we will live our lives knowing that we are forgiven and we are free in the sacrifice that you made for us Jesus. Lord I want to lift up all these prayers to you this morning. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. So as our service draws to a close, I just want to say how much I've enjoyed touching base with so many of you over the last couple of weeks. We've now got a team of volunteer callers who are working hard to connect with every member of the church family at least once a week. If you haven't had a call from us, it might be that for some reason we haven't got your telephone number. So please do be in touch with us because we'd love to connect with you. I also want to remind you that we're supporting people by collecting shopping and by collecting and delivering prescriptions. So if that's something that you need support with, please do be in touch with me in the vicarage. We'd really love to help. Finally, I want to wish you all a very happy and blessed Easter. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you this Easter time and remain with you always. Amen. <laughs>